Isaiah chapter 58. This morning, with God's help, we will be considering verses 13 and 14. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is God's holy word. May God add a blessing to the reading of it. Let us now turn to the Lord and ask him to bless the preaching of his word. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please, we pray that you would now bless the preaching of your word. That you would bring clarity, Lord, to our minds and to our hearts on where truly our delight is found. Lord, help us to understand, to see, to know, to believe, and to love. And Lord, help us also to obey. I decrease that you may increase, be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please, saints, be seated. Brothers and sisters, when last we considered the book of Revelation, we were given a an image, a picture, thank you brother, of a glorious hope that is ours, we who have placed our faith in Christ. The seventh trumpet had sounded, the loud voices in heaven, which are the voices of the saints from all time, shout, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever. I pray that you and I, I know I was, encouraged as we learn that our voices, yours and mine, will be among the chorus of voices that will declare the eternal reign of the one kingdom, the kingdom of God. The saints say, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. We will declare, you and I, our voices, will declare the unity of the divine persons. And we will declare, singular, He will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of our triune God. It's the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity in unity, uh, unity in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shall reign. And there will be no rival to God's kingdom. All the kingdoms of the world are summed up in, in one dark kingdom, the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan will be swallowed up and there will be only one kingdom, the kingdom of God. The consummation of the kingdom, that is the bringing to completion of the kingdom, the 24 elders that is meant to represent the church for all time, bow down on their faces to worship God. They, which will be us, say in Revelation eleven seventeen, we give thanks to you, O Lord God, the Almighty who was or who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. In celebration, the saints give thanks to God the Almighty. When the kingdom is consummated, we will no longer sing for the one of the one who is to come. For he will have come. The faith that we have will be turned to sight. Everything that we have longed for will be before our eyes. We shall see what we have believed. We shall behold what we have hoped for. God will display His great power by putting an end to sin and to Satan's kingdom. Babylon the Great will fall. 
And all of God's people shall fall on their face before God and rejoice. Celebrate. We are God's temple. He is in our presence. That will never change. And sin will never mar our desire for His presence. The kingdom of darkness will no longer be in existence to tempt us away from the delight that is found in the presence of God. I've reminded us of all of these things from Revelation, even though we're in Isaiah today. Because I pray that you were encouraged by at least this statement from last week. That you and I do not need to wait in order to celebrate the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hear of the seven trumpets sounding and and we may think, I can't wait to get there so that I can there celebrate. You don't need to wait to get there to celebrate. You and I have been given the gift of the Sabbath so that we, the 144,000, the multitude which no man can count, the loud voices that are celebrating and announcing the kingdom of God so that we, on the Sabbath, can celebrate that which is already ours. We have not gathered on the Sabbath in order to mourn, saints. Even in our time of confessing our sins, our weeping is but for a moment. For our sorrows turn to joy when the gospel of Christ's death for our sin, His resurrection for our justification is announced. And that if you believe in Christ, you will be saved. That that you are forgiven of sins. That is something not to silently say amen to. But it is something to rejoice and say amen loudly to. Sin has been covered by, by the blood of Christ. Our heads need not remain low. We do not weep in sackcloth and ashes any longer over our sin. It's been dealt with. It's been removed. Pastor Isaiah has taught us the icon of torture. The cross has been turned into an an icon of love where Christ has suffered in our place. And the sufferings of Christ have brought many sons to glory. and, And are still bringing many sons to glory. No, saints, when we gather on the Sabbath, this is a gathering of joy. This is a gathering of of celebration. The Sabbath has been given to man so that we might find rest and delight. Not so that we can mourn. Which brings us to our text in Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, Let's read our text again and I'll, I'll read it quicker this time. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable and honor it desisting from your own ways, from your own, from seeking your own pleasure, and from speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here our Lord calls, listen, His people, but, but really all people, to turn their foot from their own paths. To turn their foot from the ways in which our sinful flesh naturally wants to go and turn our foot toward the temple of God. To turn our direction toward the temple of God for what purpose? To worship Him. Turn from our own pleasure so that we can find our pleasure and delight in God. Earlier in that chapter, we find out what the pleasure of these people was in chapter 58 and verse 2 the Lord says they seek me by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinances of God it's what they say about themselves that the house of Jacob carried themselves outwardly or gave the presentation as they were as if they were a people who delighted in God and in knowing the ways of God It was just an outward presentation, though. 
The people declared their own righteousness. They declared their own faithfulness to God's ordinances or the law of God. And yet they complained against God. Verse 2, they ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? We've done all of these things. We're performing all of the acts. Where's the benefits of the acts? It reveals to them what was the intention of the acts in the first place. It was not to delight in God. It was so that God could give them what they were asking for. And they weren't asking for God. They were asking for things other than God. Because of the external displays of devotion, they believed they had the right to accuse God of being undevoted. God, we are devoted. Do you see all that we do? Why aren't you devoted to us? Why aren't you giving to us what we want? We're asking you for things, but but you're not giving to them to us. Don't you see that I'm fasting? We're asking you for things, God. Don't you see that I'm giving them to you? We'll see that in a moment. I observed the Sabbath. I I was I was there on the Sabbath. God accusing God of somehow not holding up his end of the deal. Complain that their fasts were pointless, that, that their humility was in vain, and the Lord displays their false acts of devotion. Behold, listen, he says, on the day of your fast, you find your desire. You're, you're doing what you really want to do on the day that you fast. Here, here's what he says you, you do. You drive hard all of your workers. Now think about the purpose of a fast. The day that was meant to be devoted to fasting and praying was meant to be a day of devotion to God, praying to God, finding fulfillment, not in food, but in God, yes? And also, it was to be a time of loosing bonds, breaking yokes, God says, caring for the hungry, caring for the homeless, and those without garments. The house of Jacob did the opposite. On the day of a fast, rather than finding fulfillment in God and loosing oppression, they found fulfillment in being oppressors, in working their workers to the bone. On the day of a fast, in verse 3, you find your desire. You drive hard all your workers. In verse 4, you fast for contention and strife and strike with a wicked fist. Verse 9, pointing fingers. And speaking wickedness. All of these things they're doing while they should be fasting. Finding satisfaction, delight in God. And yet, their actions are completely wicked. The days that the people were supposed to be fasting, praying, abstaining from sin, they were actually doing the exact opposite. They were committing sin rather than abstaining from it. And the Lord rebukes their reasoning. They believe they had, because of an external fast... From food, they had uh, the acceptable reason to accuse God of sin, and because and because they had been fasting, that God would overlook their sin and give them what they actually wanted. Uh, again, don't you see that I I've I've fasted? Now let's take this similarly to the, the Sabbath. Don't you see that I have attended? That that that, that I'm here. Oh, dear saints. If you reason concerning uh, your walk with Christ, well, I showed up, didn't I? If you could say about yourself when you've come to church, at least I made it, then you commit the same sin as the house of Israel, who is saying, by all external appearances, at least I'm doing what I'm supposed to do externally. That is finding delight in the law. Rather than in the lawgiver. They externally kept the Sabbath, but in their hearts, they hated the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given as a day for rest and delight, but it became just as oppressive as their fast. The Lord exposed their sin, exposed their hypocrisy. And the pursuit of their own desires on his day. 
The Lord calls the house of Jacob to turn their foot, to turn their foot back to Him and away from their own pleasures on His holy day. The Lord makes it clear. And I'm not going to give an argument for this. Whether or not a Sabbath remains, Hebrews 4 will answer that question for you. But the Lord makes it clear. This is His day. And He has given certain instructions for His people on His day that do not include, listen to this, our own pleasures. That is those things that that we pursue that are not of God. Twice within verse 1, the Lord says, Your own pleasure. Then He will say, Your own words. It's simply that which, what is it? It is that which the Lord God has not commanded. That which God is not honored by. That which you and I will not find true delight in. The Lord has not commanded that you and I pursue our own pleasures on this day, but that we pursue that which He has commanded. The things that have nothing to do with the Lord on His day or the things that we must abstain from. Those things that are not of rest in Christ, that are not of joy found in Christ, that are not of delight that is found in Christ, we must, we must avoid. Because God says so. Because God said so. It's not as though the house of of Jacob was not keeping the Sabbath. Again, they were surely abstaining from work on the Lord's day. But they were taking delight in the fact that they had abstained from work. And not taking delight in God who has given us the day so that we can delight in Him. That was their sin. They were abstaining from the work. They were abstaining from all of the things they should not do, but they weren't delighting in the fact that in their abstaining from these things, they weren't finding delight in God. The Sabbath, much like in the days of the Pharisees, became a great day of oppression rather than liberty. They viewed God's day as a day of restraint and not a day of liberty. And it's strange to talk about liberty on a day when it seems like there is so much restraint. I can't go here. I can't go there. I can't buy this. I can't buy that. Don't talk about those things. It sounds like there's a lot of don'ts on the Sabbath, doesn't it? And it can seem like bondage. But the restraints are given so that we will know what true freedom is. And what true delight is. It's not found out there. It's found here. In God's temple. In God's presence. It is vitally important, saints, that that you do not imagine for one second that taking delight in the Sabbath is simply because the day is called the Sabbath and I don't work today. That's not where delight is found. That's legalism. And the opposite end of, well, I'm free to do whatever I want, that's antinomianism. No. Brothers and sisters, delighting in the Sabbath is good because when one delights in the Sabbath, they delight in the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Our triune God. It is His day. It has been distinctly called His day. It is the day that is that is set apart from all other days. One might say, don't all days belong to God? Yes, they all do. But this day is distinctly God's day. It is uniquely God's day. It uniquely belongs to the Lord. Just like the supper that we will partake in, uniquely belongs to the Lord. God calls His people to delight in the Sabbath, to view the Sabbath as set apart, as honorable because of who we meet with and what we do because of how we observe this day. And there are promised blessings that are ours if we honor it and delight in it in the way that God has commanded. Let me ask you a few questions, saints. You don't need to answer them out loud in your heart. Do you delight in this day? 
Is this day a day of celebration for you? Is this day different for you? Is it uniquely different for you? Does this day belong to the Lord in your life in a way that all of the days do not belong to the Lord? Do you love this day? Let me ask you another question then. Do you despise this day? Is it a day that as it approaches you dread? Is this day a burden for you? Do you describe this day as a long day? It can't be something you love if it's something that you have to endure. If you love this day, then you must enjoy this day. If you find yourself simply enduring the day, then how can you find any delight in the day? Do you dread preparation for this day? Do you have any longing throughout the week for this day? Is this meeting time? Is it a witching hour for you? Where the worst of you comes out? Is there any delight for you on this day? I was thinking about this. It is rare that all of the saints who are members of this church are here on the same Lord's Day all at one time. Rare. What is turning our foot in the opposite direction of the gathering of the saints? What desires are pulling us away from the gathering of the saints that we, that we can't all be here? At least, we're not, we're not 2,000 members. We're just a few. What is it that, that can, that restricts us from all being here on the same day at the same time? The Lord calls this day to be viewed as honorable, literally meaning heavy. It could be heavy in that it's dull or a burden, or it could be heavy in that it is rich and worthy of praise. For the, for the unbeliever, this day is burdensome. It is dull. It is a waste of time. If you sit here, and, and more often than not, you say boring, dull, waste of time. Dear one, turn from your sin and turn to Christ. But if this day is highly esteemed, highly valued, and you long for this day, you, you find delight in this day. If this day takes priority all over all other days and over all other occurrences, then dear saints, praise God you have found a treasure in the field. God has not commanded this day to be oppressive to you. It's a day of liberation for you. It's the day that, that you and I should, as believers in Christ, anticipate all, all week long. In light of what we know is coming in the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet is telling us of an eternal Sabbath that, that should cause great joy within us. And here on the Lord's Day, this is my fourth point, we get a foretaste of that. Celebrate. The believers celebrate the victory of Christ over sin and the grave in His resurrection. Do you delight in the Sabbath? Dear saints, I, I am not going to give you reasons why you should delight in the Sabbath. I'm confident that you are well taught. Rather, this morning, I'm going to remind you of what you already know. The Apostle Paul said to write the same things again to you is no trouble for me. And it is a safeguard for you. It's good for you to hear the things that you already know. To be reminded of, reminded of, the, of the things that you know. It's good for us to constantly recall truths that are familiar to us 
to promote self-examination. Do you know these things? Do you believe these things? How are they practiced in your life then? We may say, I know them. Do we really? How well are we practicing them? Many delights that are found on the Lord's Day Sabbath, by no means the four that I'm going to give you right now, by no means are they all of them. But here are just a few of them. I'm reminding you now then of number one, delight in the Sabbath is to delight in God. This is uh, verses 13 and 14. This reminder to turn our foot and our heart to God on His holy day, it's good. And it is a good reminder because of why the day is a delight. Why do we turn our foot from other paths and turn our thoughts and our words and our deeds from other things and turn them to God? Why? Because this is not merely a day of rest from our labors, but it is a day of delight in God. Rest from our labors. You and I, from time to time, uh, this week I will be having a week off. You and I, from time to time, take days off, don't we? From time to time, we have days of rest. But those days of rest are often spent doing other things other than the work that we normally do. Uh, we take our kids to the beach. If you have little ones, then you well know well that is work. We'll go fishing or to a sporting event and we all know that there's, there's some work involved there. Or we will do something that we delight in. Something pleasurable. For some, it's a day off and that's exactly what it is. A day to do absolutely nothing. To sleep and to do something that requires little to no thought. Those are normal days off. But they are not a Sabbath. The Sabbath has been made for man. It's a day that has been gifted by God to all mankind for the purpose of finding rest and delight in God. Worship. Brothers and sisters, but not simply so that we can rest and find delight in rest. Look at verse 13 of uh, Isaiah 58. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure, finding delight in worldly pleasures, on my holy day, God says, the Lord identifies this day as distinctly His. And he contrasts that which with that which we distinctly call ours, our own worldly, earthly pleasures. Verse 13, And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and honor it. What has the Sabbath been given to us for? Well, we've established not for our own pleasure, not for our own words, but so that we can take delight in the Lord. The delight of the Lord is found in delighting in God. Dear saints, the Sabbath has been given to all people. Moral law written on our hearts so that all men may know where true delight is found. It's found in delighting in God. What is, what is it to delight in God? It's to find complete joy in Him. It's to find, listen, to find complete satisfaction in Him. To delight to find pleasure, joy, fulfillment, and wholeness, completeness in Him. God gives us this day so that we might know all these things truly. This day is a holy day. Because on this day, unlike any other day, God calls us to Himself. On this day, unlike any other day, we give ourselves to Him. God gives Himself to us, and God calls us to give ourselves to Him. And in giving ourselves to Him, guess what we get back? God. God calls us to Him, we give ourselves to Him, and God gives us Himself. 
And in God giving us Himself, we find what true joy, satisfaction, delight, and completeness, wholeness really is. And we delight in these things. Pastor Zayek taught some time ago that theologians call this exitus and reditus. Everything comes from God in a certain way and everything returns to God. The love of the Holy Trinity goes forth and we give back the love from the Holy Trinity that we have received. In doing so, we find true delight. Many pleasures that are competing for your delight, dear saints. At this moment right now, there are many pleasures that are competing for your, for your delight. It's not necessary for me to name them all. We all know of all of the pleasures that compete for our delights. We know them. They're, they're, they're calling out to us from time to time, aren't they? Some good, some evil. But all challenging us of where we will find our greatest delight. The Lord promises that if we give ourselves to the Sabbath, then we will find our greatest delight. On the Sabbath, God gives Himself to us so that we might give ourselves to Him. And in giving ourselves to Him, He gives Himself to us. And we learn what true delight is. That's why we don't talk about work. I want to be very careful not to be legalistic. But in what sense are you talking about work or the game or your vacation or whatever it may be? After we have just heard God's word, what's the point of it all? It's the Lord's day. Can we not find something about the Lord that is lovely, that is wonderful, that has just been spoken, that will be spoken, that we have read, that is not more delightful on this day? You can talk about the game tomorrow. You can talk about work when you go to work. But this is His day. (laughs) And He has said that if you find delight in Him on this day, there is precious promises for, for you. I know for some of us, it's difficult. What do I talk about? I don't know. Something about God. Can you not find a way that you can say to someone, brother, sister, how can I pray for you? This is the most appropriate place to ask that question. It's the most inappropriate place to ask, how was work? You making good money? Bills being paid? Flat tire, huh? Are there not more lovely things to discuss on this day? I'm guilty. A month or two ago when Brother Dustin's brother was here, we all know the young man is learning and growing. Dustin was being used greatly to evangelize his brother and help him to grow. And of the opportunities that I had to share with him, he seems to be very reserved. Until one day, we had a conversation about something that we both found that we love, martial arts. And I found myself talking more passionately about these things and longer than the things that he actually needs to hear about. Christ and His love and how to grow as a true believer. How ashamed I was. I said to some of the saints who were sitting with us at our next fellowship, at our last fellowship meal or so, rebuke me when you hear me doing that. I'm asking you to rebuke me when you hear me doing that. This is the Sabbath day. It's been given to us to delight in God. And if I find myself more excited, more energetic, and talking longer about those things that have nothing to do with God, 
then rebuke me, saints, and expect me to rebuke you. If I'm asking you to do so for me, then I, I would expect that you would expect nothing less. Do you want to know what true delight is? You want to know true satisfaction? And give yourselves over to the Sabbath. And to the one who is God of the Sabbath. For if you give yourselves over to the Sabbath, you will find the one who is standing there, arms open wide, offering himself to you. What is the reward for those who give themselves over to the to the, to the Sabbath and to the Lord of the Sabbath? Then I then you will take delight in the Lord. When you take delight in the Sabbath, you are taking delight in the Lord. And I will, God says, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I stared at that verse for ten minutes when I first saw it, just looking at this promise of if you delight in the in the Lord. If you delight in the Sabbath, you will delight in the Lord. And if you delight in the Lord, then He will make you ride on the heights of the earth. A quote from Deuteronomy 32, a song that Moses gives to the children of Israel of the goodness of God who brings them out of slavery and makes them ride on the heights of the earth by bringing them into the land of promise. They're given goods of the land to enjoy. Habakkuk 3 says that God will make me walk on, on the heights of the hills. And the Lord makes it clear that when we take delight in the Sabbath, the reward is is this, that you and I will ride on the heights of the earth. John Gill says, this reward is, is it's, it's this, it's to live above the world. It's to find no, it's to find your greatest treasure in God. It's to say that there is nothing in this world that I want more than you. The psalmist said, who have I in heaven and earth? But you, O oh God. Don't you want to, to delight in God like that? Isn't it your greatest desire to say, I want to delight in God like that? I, I want to know that my utmost safety, uh, my utmost enjoyment, my, my utmost pleasure is found in God. And nothing rivals that. Nothing, no one, no thing rivals the delight that I found in, in, find in God. This is why the Lord promises those who take delight in the Sabbath, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. What is the heritage of Jacob? It, it is interesting that in the beginning of the chapter, the Lord is, is rejecting their fast. They're abstaining from food. He's rejecting it. From all those who outwardly perform these acts of piety, but do not delight in God. In their hearts, the Lord promises that for those who delight in Him, He will feed them. For those who truly delight in God, He will feed them. And what shall we be fed with? God says the heritage of Jacob. The inheritance of Jacob. What is the inheritance of Jacob? What is the heritage of Jacob? Brothers and sisters, it is God Himself. I said earlier, do you, do you dread this day? Or do you not long? Is looking forward to the Lord's day, waking up and getting Is it a dread to you? God promises to those who, whose attitude is that way, you, don't, you won't have Him then. You will come, but not meet with Him. Imagine that. Being in the presence of God and not meeting with Him. Because there is no delight found in Him. When will this be over? I smell the food. And Leviticus, or the, the Lord promises the Levites in Joshua 13 and Joshua 18, the Lord, the God of Israel, is your inheritance. God is your inheritance. God is your inheritance. If there is something that you can leave to your children, dear ones... Uh, not cars and money and whatever else. Leave them God. Leave them a call to worship God. 
Isaiah 16, 5, The Lord is my portion, the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. My lot. Uh, lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. It is God Himself. The Lord Himself. The delight of the Sabbath is God Himself. Why is this day enjoyable? Because on this day, Unlike any other day, you meet with God. You get God. Which leads us to our second point. Delighting, we delight, I'm reminding us, we delight in the Sabbath because on the Sabbath we meet with God. Verse 14 again, Then you will, de- then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. Let's take this riding on the heights of the earth, let's take this further. This passage is used throughout the scriptures in Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Habakkuk, uh, uh, Psalms. And there's also an allusion to Revelation 22. Being lifted up, as it were, above earth into heaven. So God has promised, if we take delight in Him, that He lifts us above the earth. When are we lifted above the earth and into heaven? Well, God says it's on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, you are lifted above heaven, or above the earth, into heaven. When we worship, when we gather for worship then, on the Sabbath, and we offer worship in a manner that is right, that, that God has prescribed, then we are lifted up to Zion. And there we meet with God. It's the promise of God. That if you honor His day, then He will lift you up. The writers of the Hebrews describes our gatherings of worship as being otherworldly. As a time when the saints are lifted up above the earth and brought into the heavenly city of God. Hebrews 12.22, you have come. When we gather for worship. And not you will go. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. God says this is where you are now. To the myriads of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God. He says, and to God. You are lifted up to Zion, you are among the saints, and you are lifted up to God. The judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. The writers of the Hebrews describes our gatherings of worship as being a time wherein the people of God, when right worship is offered, are lifted up to the heavenly city of God to meet with God. Do you need to just imagine that that's what's going on right now? Or as God said, in a real and literal way, that is what is going on right now. It is what is going on right now. When we delight in God, this is literally what is going on right now. We are brought into the city of God, into the heavenly Jerusalem. We learn in our studies in Revelation that the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, is it's not a geographical place, right? It's not one of those places here on earth, but it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is found in every nation, tribe, and tongue. When we gather... And worship rightly. The saints meet with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In order to meet with God, we must meet with one another. This is one of the elements that constitute right worship. Where God meets with His people. God is everywhere. We know this. There is no place or space where God is not. And there is no place where God is confined as well. But we cannot meet with God without meeting with one another. And we cannot meet with God individually wherever we like. We do not have the right to determine the terms on which we all meet with God. God determines when, where, and how we will meet with Him. It has been said that you can go to any church and you can expect to meet with believers. But if worship is not offered properly, you cannot expect to meet with God. God tells us how to worship. And God 
has promised to uniquely meet with his people when we offer right worship to him. When do we worship? On his day, the Sabbath, the first day of the week. Uh, Where do we worship? Where saints who have trusted in Christ alone meet. Where those who are of one Lord, one Christ, one baptism, one faith that has been passed down, where people of common confession, where they gather. How? How do we worship? How do we meet with God when we worship Him in the way that He has commanded? What's the result? We meet with God. And we find our greatest delight in Him. This day is distinctly God's. And we meet with Him now unlike any other time throughout the rest of our week. We come for one united purpose. To worship God. We come from different backgrounds, different parts of the city, different parts, uh, different ages, but we all come for one purpose. And that is to worship God. We gather, saints, at the stated meeting time. There's a call to worship that we should all attend to. I want to encourage you. And I also want to rebuke you at the same time. Be present for the call to worship. Make whatever preparations the night before to make sure that you are prepared when morning comes to come and to hear God call you to worship. It's not a formality. We've learned this. It is the official call from God to you, His people, to offer to Him worship. And we, together, ask Him for help. Help me. Help me to worship you rightly. And God offers to you a benediction of grace and peace. Why would we miss this? Why would we not make better preparation to say, I will be there. God is giving me a call and I am going to receive a blessing, a benediction of grace and peace from Him. I will be there. I will do whatever I must do. Whatever we must do, we must be there. All of us, let us make every single effort to to treat this day as uniquely, wholly different than every other day. We get to work on time. To appease worldly employers. But when God calls us to worship the Lord of all, we've got time. He hasn't even started preaching yet. We pray, we preach, we sing, we fellowship at the Lord's Supper. We take the body and blood of Christ. We celebrate our baptism. There's something altogether unique about what we do here on this day that we don't do on other days. We offer ourselves to God. And when we do, we meet with God. Brothers and sisters, thirdly, as a reminder, we delight in the Sabbath Because on the Sabbath especially, we are conformed to Christ. Isaiah 58, 14, Then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. I say and I say again, what wonderful, what wonderful promises, what wonderful privileges are given to those who delight in a Sabbath. We delight in the Sabbath because God is the Lord of the Sabbath. This third point is that when we delight, especially in the Sabbath, we are especially conformed to Christ. Are we not changed every single day? Is is God not always making us like His Son? Is there not a day that goes by that, that we are not sanctified unto God? 
All of those answers are, are true. Yes, we are. But the Lord has promised that especially on the Sabbath, for those who take delight in Him, who delight in the Lord of the Sabbath, we will be especially changed. The Lord does not give such promises as He does here in Isaiah for any other day. He does not say if, if on Monday or Tuesday or third or fourth day of the week, if you, do, if you delight in me, then these things are promised to you. No. He, he makes this promise for only one day. But if you delight in the Lord on His Sabbath, then He promises that you and I will ride on the heights of heaven. That we will be raised to heaven. That we will worship and meet with God. But we are also being conformed to Christ on this day. We are being conformed to Christ by Christ's word. Let me say this. Things, rebukes, and encouragements like I just gave, they are often hard for some of us to hear, but they are Christ conforming us to himself. If we take that as, uh, pastor is very, uh, very annoyed, then you miss the fact that Christ speaks through your pastor to help you be conformed to Him. So therefore, the word that comes forth of, let us attend to the call to worship, is not a call from man. It's a call from God. The preaching of God's word, Paul says, it is God's word, for that is what it truly is. We are right now as God's word is, is being, is going forth. We are being conformed to Christ. We are being reminded by Christ, celebrate this day. Don't mourn this day. We are being reminded by Christ, take delight in this day. There's no greater delight. We are being reminded by Christ that on this day, you meet with Him. We are being reminded by Christ on this day, you are being made like Him. Praise be to God. It doesn't happen like this on any other day. We are fed on this day. We are nourished on, even though we only eat a small piece of bread and, a, and drink from a small cup, our souls are nourished. They are being fed by Christ. It's the primary means worship is on this day that God shapes and fashions us into Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you were like me, you've been raised to think that trials are the way that you're shaped. Trouble is the way that you're shaped. No, trouble is the way that you're tested to see if what you believe is true. Today, here and now, is, is where you're shaped. Today, here and now, is where you're conformed. Leaving the Sabbath and going out back into Egypt is where you're tested. It's where you will be Joseph's in the world who are confronted with Potiphar's wife. That's where you'll be tested. And our response will be, because of how we've been conformed, how could I sin against my God? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of, of His Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. When we worship, we are conformed to Christ. More and more, we are being molded and shaped, conformed to Christ, made like Christ. It's the goal for the believer. God's goal for you and me is that we would be made like Christ. That we would be ready for glory. That, that, that we would be prepared to behold the beatific vision. Our minds are being conformed. Romans 12.2 Do not can be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. Our minds are being changed. Our understanding, our reasoning, our beliefs, our values, they're being conformed to Christ. Uh, we are, we are learning and knowing what Christ knows. Uh, we are being given the mind of Christ to know what Christ knows, to reason rightly. So that when the Word of God goes forth, we can say this, thus saith the Lord. And not be offended, but say, thus saith the Lord. It's the way Christ reasons. We want to know what He knows, believe what He believes, reason as He re as He reasons. And this conforming takes place through the preached Word of God on this day. Through the read Word of God on this day. Read, heard, preached, sung. When the Word of God goes forth, it accomplishes the goal of transforming our minds. 
instructs people of what is true and what is false. But it also transforms our affections. When we know what is true, by God's grace, we love what is true. Philippians 1, 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul prays that our knowledge abounds and grows more and more. So also, as our, lo- our knowledge grows, that our love will abound. As knowledge increases, so love increases. The two are connected. The more that you know, the more that you delight. You cannot delight in what you do not know. Grow in knowledge. Grow in delight. Grow in understanding. Grow in love. If you do not know, you won't grow. And you won't love. Don't let it be a burden to you when one of us asks you, what are you reading? It's essentially, what are you learning? Why does that matter? So that you can grow in understanding. Why does growing in understanding matter? Paul said, so that if, because if you grow in understanding and grow in knowledge, and you'll grow in love. And growing in knowledge and love is a way in which Christ conforms us to Himself. So if you say at the, at the present moment, I'm not reading anything, then dear saint, you who are on your way to Zion, learn something. Read something. Listen to something. Grow in knowledge. Well, why? So that you can grow in love. I love him. Do you want to love him more? Then I challenge you to grow in your understanding, to grow in your knowledge, so that you may grow in love for your Christ. Those whom he has predestined, these he has called, these he has justified, these he will glorify. Worship offered rightly to the Creator produces being conformed to Christ, which will result in being more like Christ until that day when you are glorified as Christ is glorified. We will be like Him. We will reign with Him. When we worship, we are being shaped, molded, conformed to Christ. Brothers and sisters, finally, in closing, and and the shortest point. These are all reminders. You know them all. Final reminder, we delight in the Sabbath because it is a foretaste of rest. No, of eternal rest. If you delight in the Lord in the Sabbath, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you right on the heights of the earth. What is this, brothers and sisters, this gathering, this meeting with Christ in Zion, this, this holy city? It's all a foretaste of future glory. Is that not what we have been discussing in the book of Revelation? Is that not what we have been seeing at the end of chapter 11 of Revelation? Loud voices announcing the one kingdom. Thanking God for His eternality and for ever being present with them. The saints bowing in worship to God. It's the eternal Sabbath. And it's been promised to you who delight in God. And evidence that you delight in God is that you delight in the Sabbath. That you find joy in this day. Again, not not that you have to endure it. There's been a a push, right, for all of us to try to stay awake. It's good. Not for no reason. Not for wicked reasons. Not because you might miss the end of the movie. But because God has called us to be attentive to Him when we worship. If you say, I have a problem with falling asleep, then figure it out. 
Get an energy drink. Drink three cups of coffee. Do whatever you need to do. Because this day is not like any other day. God blessed, uh, graciously gives to us this foretaste of eternal rest. But we don't delight in rest. We delight in the God of rest. Today, Lord willing, if the Lord wills, this Sabbath will end. But there will come a day when we will celebrate a Sabbath that will never end. There remains a Sabbath for the people of God. We are given this day for the purpose of worship and all that we have discussed and rest. We are resting unless you are providentially hindered, meaning unless you are required to work and you have no other choice, or unless you are performing an act of mercy that is good to do on the Sabbath. Then we rest. We rest. Now listen closely to what I'm going to say. We rest from worldly pursuits. You fill in the blank. We rest from worldly discussions. God help us all. We rest from worldly desires. And we also rest from worldly commerce. You remember Nehemiah? One theologian said we also rest our bodies because when we rest our bodies and delight in the Lord, we we rest from sin. At the final benediction, there should be no labor that you are rushing to get back to. No yard work that needs to be done. No cleaning of the house that needs to be done. No repair work that needs to be done. No preparation for work tomorrow that needs to be done. You should have done it on Saturday. In, in resting from labors, we symbolically acknowledge that God has completed all of our work. Therefore, we symbolically rest from our work because Christ has completed every work needed for our salvation. It's a, it's a symbol of Christ's completed work. When you don't work by symbol, you are saying, Christ has completed all of my work. Some, you have to fight yourself to not work. Don't work. We cease from work. We, we cease from speaking about work. That's a hard from some of us. Some of us, we only know talk, work talk. Learn something new. What do I talk about? Why don't you talk about what you just heard? Simple question that we always ask. What was helpful for you today? What challenged you today? What hurt? What was helpful? These are simple things. I ask you to not talk. And, and I often will sometimes put myself in the jam a few weeks or whatever ago. I had mentioned something about abortion because it was appropriate to what we were talking about. That was not for us to open up the floodgates on this Lord's Day about abortion and about all the laws concerning abortion. We missed the point if we took one minute of something that was about abortion and, and overlook everything else that the sermon was about. There are so many more wonderful things and enjoyable things. Now, I, I want to be very careful again not to be legalistic. If it's something that we can bring right back around to God and to His church and to Christ and to His victory, then by all means go for it. But if we're just going to stay there and if we're just going to be in who's red and who's blue and you should be too, then avoid it. Save that for tomorrow. If tomorrow should come. We also abstain from, from commerce. From the book of, ne of Nehemiah. Nehemiah closes the gates on the Sabbath. Does not let the merchants in. And you know what they're doing? They're, they're sitting at the gate waiting to get in. Nehemiah comes out and says, If you don't leave, I'm going to beat you up. It's literally what he says. Do not come back here. You are hindering the people of God from worship. 
And the people, so-called people of God, were asking this question. When will the Sabbath be over? So that we can get back to our commerce. They were revealing where they found delight. In earthly treasures and not in heavenly ones. When we, in, when we engage with commerce with people who are breaking the Sabbath, we join them in their sin. So do what you have to do tomorrow, uh, the day before. Buy what you have to do, what you have to buy on Saturday. When we have lunches here, bring a lunch. Don't leave to go buy lunch. Someone will, will, will give you food, I'm sure. There's plenty of times my wife has said, I prepared you food, but someone took it. <laughs> to God be the glory. God promises, as we wait for the seventh trumpet to sound, if we delight in Him and on His day, then we shall ride on the heights of the clouds. They're precious promises. It's not a bad thing for us to be reminded of things that we know. And let me tell you that for the fingers that I've been doing like this, I'm pointing them back at myself as well. The scrolling through eBay, the at the end of the night, now I can look through YouTube and, and see what, what's gone on throughout the world. I'm guilty of it as well. God help us all. God help us all to find our greatest delight in Him. Let us pray.